2: Everyone, welcome to the hash. We got a three box Thursday going today. I'm Jensen That's Will Foxley in the middle. And Wendy, oh, giving us a little dance. Thank you for watching Coindesk TV and listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Wendy, I'm kicking it straight off to you. Solana, it just continues not to look so hot.
1: Yeah, Solana is not looking sexy at all right now, folks. And I've got quite a bit to say on this. So let's go through the facts and then I will give you my opinion. So Solana tokens continue to steep slide while major cryptos stay flat. Solana fell 10% in the past 24 hours, adding to a 20% slide over the past week. And it fell below $10 for the first time in nearly two years yesterday. Nine straight days of losses for Sol, longest run of decline since mid-September of 2021. Some of the most affected Sol tokens is Serum, RIP, my Serum bag, which was kind of part of FTX Alameda affiliated with all those folks. Radom is down 3.4%. That is a loss of peanuts. Soland is down 4.4%. And yeah, so let's kind of talk about it. Oh, also too, another important thing is value locked on Solana-based applications has declined 98% since November of 2021. And Sol is down 96.3% from an all-time high of approximately $260. I think a lot of this also has to do with D-Gods and with youths essentially bridging over to um, Ethereum and Matic Polygon. One thing I will say, though, I do have a moon bag of Solana, and I'm going to continue to keep that moon bag. And I will be interested in potentially buying Solana around like under the $3 area. Why am I doing that? Well, it would be a super super risky play, but sometimes sometimes these plays do play out depending on what happens. Um, And again, almost all cryptocurrencies are down like seventy to ninety percent from all time high. If your crypto project is pumping and you have like, if you're in like a two digit pump, like you know the eighty percent ninety percent pump, there's probably something fishy going on. Anyways. Um, what I'm doing, it's not financial advice as to why I want to buy at those low levels. It would be a super risky play for me. And if it plays out, yay for me. If it doesn't work out, then I'm fully um, taking responsibility for my actions and losing that money. Will, since you look like you're from California today, talk to us. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Like I was saying before the show, it was about eight inches of snow outside. So not exactly Southern California today. But let's look at the numbers for Solana, which is definitely having a struggle moment right now. 24 hours, down 10%, seven days, down 20%. Last month, down 30%. Last three months, down 71%, and down from 95% over the last year. Really tough place to be building if you're a Solana developer, right? Like This has happened to a lot of coins. This has happened to Bitcoin. This has happened to Ethereum. And now maybe it's happening to Solana, right? And Bitcoin and Ethereum have sort of found their footing. Both those coins are down about 70% year to date, but they're pretty much in everyone's portfolio at this point and people are not just going to sell them, right? So I think a lot of people in the Solana community are trying to bridge the gap between bear cycles, right? They're trying to say, we're still going to be here. Yes, the price of our token is down. We've even broken below that $10 support level, but we still have a developer community. We still have projects that we are working on. I think the biggest thing right now is for Solana community to get over what happened with FCX and SPF. Because FTX has such a pivotal place within the Solana community, right? There was a lot of funding going both ways. Serum was invested heavily on by SBF. And now that project is more or less defunct. I think a lot of Solana developers are looking at that and kind of have a hangover from the bull market, and then they got kicked in the like really just kicked them in the nuts. To be fair, like after SBF and all that, so <laughs> they're going to have to figure out what Ouch. to do with that. Allie, third over that hurts me.
2: You know, as I read the story, I think about a year ago when so many newcomers to the space got into the space because of Solana. So I I think about, you know, when Solana, I think they were the official blockchain of Lollapalooza. People who were just getting into NFTs found it a little bit easier to work with some of the Solana marketplaces. They solved some of the issues that um, we saw with Ethereum when it came to NFTs. And now this, and I think about those people and I think about what they might be experiencing. And Wendy. I think you gave great advice at the beginning of the show. I'm not saying that people should go and invest in Solana, but you know, they need to figure out how to get out of this. And they're not the only chain going through what's happening right now. So if you are new to the space, hang in there. I have a question for you, Wendy. You mentioned D Gods and Utes transitioning over to Polygon and Ethereum. Do you think that we're gonna see more Solana projects, more Solana developers taking advantage of some of these grants? to switch chains during this or do you think that we're going to see that Solana commun- developer community stay strong and weather out the bear
1: so the nft community is very different from the cryptocurrency community and they run kind of they run a little bit more like businesses i want to say that might not be true in all cases but we're in the midst of a bear market and if a legitimate project is offering you money to help you continue to build and develop and keep the project afloat so that the community stays whole so that your team stays whole Why wouldn't you accept that? Like the future of Solana is very, very uncertain. I'm not saying, I'm not calling it a bad project. I'm not saying that the founders did anything wrong. I don't know enough and a lot more is going to come out when we're talking about FTX and Alameda and all the crazy shady things that they were doing. So nobody, you know, there's that part. But at the same time, like if you're trying to keep your team afloat and you're trying to keep the project afloat, you have like crypto communities are almost like shareholders in a way. Um, So I think it's important to take advantage of those opportunities. Like founders are going to be held accountable if they don't do the best that they can to keep the project afloat. Like how terrible would it be if um, a big cryptocurrency project or big NFT project on Solana ended up failing because they did, the founders didn't, or the founders and the team didn't merge over to Ethereum or Polygon, because we have a better feeling that Ethereum Polygon may sustain as opposed to Solana at this time. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about Solana or the communities built on it. I'm just talking about you know people's livelihoods at this point. Um, it's a it's supposed to be run like a business, and if the project goes to zero, you guys are gonna be pissed off too.
2: I'm just full of questions this morning. I have a question for you now, Will. Solana, you know, really rode this. Ethereum killer wave, do you think that part of the reason that Solana is on such a downward slope is because of the layer twos that are popping up on Ethereum that are solving the same issues that Solana set out to solve?
0: Jen, great questions this morning. You must be a journalist or something. Yeah, I think there are some (laughs) questions about uh, Solana's marketing pitch in 2020, 2021, and beginning of this year, 2022 definitely working with SBF, working with FTX has not borne any fruit for them. And that has played out pretty predictably over the last few weeks. We see that huge price action actually happen beginning of the month in November uh, 8th to ninth range for Solana because of what happened with FTX when all the insolvency news became public. Uh, I think for Solana going forward, yes, the L1 debate is more or less dead for right now. There's this thesis running around the last few years that if you have more layer ones that are more functional, have more composability, modularity, they're a little bit different than Ethereum's design, that they're going to play out and be stronger. And that has more or less died. And I think Ethereum here has a lot of room to just kind of crush all its competitors that were playing out the last two years, especially with this layer two thesis that you can build things on top of Ethereum and take all like the great design projects that people have been trying to put on L1s and just stack them on top of Ethereum And so we'll see that play out more and more. And I expect a lot of other chains similar to Solana, I think Avalanche, uh, Luna too, even uh, some of those chains should also see some liquidity dry up because I think people are going to be moving their projects back to Ethereum and projects that are built on Ethereum like Polygon. We'll leave that one there and we'll move over to a trading story. Jen, throw it over to you.
2: All right. So an anonymous Twitter user has leaked three commas API database. Now they've obtained around 100,000 API keys belonging to users of the crypto trading service and say that the that they're going to be publishing these keys randomly over the upcoming days. Now this is after 3Commas claimed that users who were previously hacked were victims of phishing attacks and we spoke about this here on the show. So Will, I'm going to toss it off to you. I don't know if you remember, but 3Commas came out and said, "Hey, all you guys who are getting hacked you must have been fished. There's no problem on our end. Now we learn that there has been a breach and there's a hacker out there who's going to publish these keys. What, what do you make of this? What do we need to be aware of as these are published over the next days?
0: Yeah, I'm bummed Sam Kessler's on the show today because he was the one covering this story when we talked about it, I think about a month ago. But the TLDR essentially here is that three commas is a platform where you can sort of aggregate a lot of your trading accounts. Uh, they have API keys, which connect to different trading platforms and exchanges. And you want to keep that key safe. Otherwise, people can make trades on your behalf. What we see here is that three commas leaked or had a leak of a lot of different API keys, like a ton of different API keys. We don't know the full extent of it yet, but it seems to be thousands of different keys going to different exchanges on behalf of its customers. And whoever hacked this, maybe it's someone internal, maybe some someone external, is now publishing those live to the web. If someone gets a hold of your API keys, they can make trades on your behalf, and it can get a pretty hairy situation with a lot of loss of funds. This started out in, I think early or mid November if memory serves me right. And what happened there was a lot of people were noticing that they were having trades executed on their accounts on Binance or KuCoin or other places without them authorizing it. And so they started looking into it wondering like, why is that happening? Well, it all sort of led back to three commas, which three commas later denied saying that it was phishing. Phishing is pretty common. It's where you click on a web link or you click on something Your MetaMask account that can execute on your behalf without even knowing about it. That's why we always say in this show, don't click links you don't know about. That's why. But it does seem like this seems to be more widespread, which led people to think that three commas had some bad security or had a security incident. And that has led to yesterday's tweet from CZ, the CEO of Binance, saying, hey, three commas is a problem. If you're working with three commas, make sure to swap your API keys out and make sure your account is safe. Wendy, I want to throw this one over to you, though. You're a trader, and you actually use a lot of these different products and platforms, which I don't. Uh, so I'd love to get your thoughts on the fallout from Three Commas.
1: So I tried to log into my Three Commas account today, and I couldn't. They said that it um, that was down or something like that. I think it had to do with the AWS. But anyways, <laughs> Three Commas when is you actually a really like you're cool you just pro.
2: getting hit. Every angle, like every story we talk about, when well, you this is you thing.
1: I'm a content creator and we talk about a lot of this stuff. We cover these stories. So I like to test this stuff and like talk to my audience about it and give, you know, feedback. Um, so like, and then again, the money, if I lose anything, like I, I made sure to swap, like do all the API things yesterday. But it was a really cool platform um, because you're able to kind of use bots to trade for you. Some people that aren't necessarily the best traders, this is a tactic that they use. I think KuCoin and some other crypto platforms, they have the grid bot trading, et cetera. But one of the interesting things, like this is very sad that it happened. And it just, one of the interesting things that I want to bring up, and I forgot to post earlier for you guys, but um, Alameda Research actually invested $3 million in 3 Comma's trading platform. And this was done on November. This was announced by CoinDesk. November 3rd of 2020. And I just think it's very interesting timing that all of this is happening. I'm not saying that there's a direct link to the um, to the leak w- via this, via Alameda, but at the same time, it is something that we should bring up and talk about because nothing is impossible at this point. Will?
0: Yeah, I'll say it again. I think we should definitely bring up some tweets from the CEO of Three Commas, Yuri Sorokin, who said that there was no internal actor from their investigation who leaked any of the data. The thing is, we don't have a lot of trust in this moment because this has been talked about for about a month. And Three Commas uh, over and over again, including to Coindesk reporters, denied that there was any sort of actual uh, leak of data. There had been any breach of security. They kept saying it was a phishing error. And just based on the amount of API keys that are now floating out there, it seems unlikely that they didn't know about this. Uh, we still need more reporting about this, of course. We don't have anything on the record about that. But just looking at the statements they give to CoinDesk, looking at the actual uh, depth of the breach, you should say, and then looking at these tweets here, you start to scratch your head a little bit, and things don't really add up. General, put up to you.
2: Yeah. Why in this industry, and I guess other industries too, are leaders so quick to deny, 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 and then turn up with egg on their face like a few weeks later when we have more information and we can see that actually whatever they're saying was not the case. I feel like it's just such a better strategy if you don't know something to say that and to let your customers, your audience know that you know we don't know, we're looking into it, you will get information when we get information. Instead of, And and I can't say that they were lying. Maybe they really did think it was a phishing attack. But instead of being so quick to react, I don't know, Wendy, if you have anything to add there. So I, I think the
1: thing, the reason why we see this a lot in crypto and NFTs in our industry is because Twitter is such a powerful tool and social media is such a powerful tool. And our industry is a lot smaller than like traditional finance, like traditional financial companies and other big tech companies. They have PR teams, they have legal, they have all of these things. We have access to this stuff too, and there's a lot of money in our industry. But for some reason, founders and teams and people decide to not use these resources. And it would probably be a really good idea before you put out a statement that you check with these people. Like, I just, it's always mind blowing to me because I do consulting on the back end. And I'm like, do you have legal? Do you have, you know, CPAs? Do you have like all like PR? Do you have these people? Like, no, we hired this random person from blah, blah, blah to do it. And I'm like, what? Like, So that's always the first thing we recommend is like, you should get things sorted. Like it's okay to operate in a true decentralized economy, but have somebody help with PR. PR is super, super important. Jen.
2: All right. Before we go to break, I just want to clarify that in an interview with CoinDesk in November, Three Comas Deputy Chief Technology Officer walked back the company's unequivocal claim that every user who lost money was the victim of a phishing or input stealing. So I don't know, still a lot of walking back. I, don't, I think we you know, just get all the information so we don't need to take so many backward steps, but we're <laughs> going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there. And when we come back from this short break, we'll be talking about China launching a state-backed NFT marketplace. What does that mean for the residents of the country who has been pretty anti-crypto lately? Find out when we're back.
1: Times are tough, particularly for crypto, but Bitstamp's different. Bitstamp is the longest-running crypto exchange and among the most regulated in the world, which includes a bit license in New York and a payment institution license in Europe. And when it comes to your funds, with Bitstamp, your crypto belongs to you. All your fiat and crypto are kept 100% separated. It's why CryptoCompare ranked Bitstamp the number one crypto exchange, awarding them the highest possible AA rating. Learn more at bitstamp.net.
0: Hey, Will Foxley here, co host of The Hash. One thing we can take away from everything going on in crypto right now is that it's important to go deep and verify. Crypto Twitter is great, but 280 characters can only go so far. One podcast we love is Galaxy Brains. Here's the host, Alex Thorne, head of research at Galaxy Digital. Thanks, Will. For in-depth takes and probing analysis on topics, trends, and events across the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ecosystem, check out Galaxy Brains, our weekly podcast. Find Galaxy Brains on your favorite podcast app and on galaxy.com forward slash research. Presented to you by one of the most trusted teams in the industry. And welcome back to The Hash. We're talking about China and NFTs. A sentence I didn't think we we're going to put together on the show, but we are. China has been against a lot of cryptocurrency projects, unless they've had the ability to control them, that be CBDCs and basically CBDCs. But now they're launching an NFT marketplace using both public and private companies. Uh, this is coming soon to Beijing. It looks like a pretty interesting project I want to throw this one over to Wendy because this one is a little confusing for most people out there. Help me walk this one out a little bit.
1: Well, this is very interesting. And I'm just going to comment on really the headline here because we've had so much drama with China in the crypto industry. Like One month, um, Bitcoin is banned, then Bitcoin mining is banned, and then it's not banned, but then crypto is banned, but it's not banned. It's just like all of this back and forth. Um, I do think it's very interesting that they are going to be launching a state-backed NFT marketplace. And the reason why is we do know that China does love to have control over things and people. And this kind of coincides with their CBDC that they have, right? So this kind of makes perfect sense to me that um, China is very, very tech heavy. And I think that they want to kind of capitalize on the amazing technology of NFTs and blockchain and everything that our ecosystem has to offer. But again, it has to be state-backed and it has to be controlled to meet their standards. So. It's kind of a conundrum because this is all supposed to be decentralized stuff, but we're talking about a country that doesn't seem to really want to give people control, um, allowing them to have control, but it's supervised like third kids, so I don't know Jed
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that take, Wendy. I think this makes sense too, when you look at the intellectual property in China. So I was in China a few years ago, I visited the largest publisher or creator of intellectual property in the country, and they had this like massive building where you could go like it was just like so many. Floors and on every floor there was like depictions of all of their IP via like photos on the walls. There were like little action figurines. There were videos playing on TV screens. It was like being in a wonderland. And so I think it makes sense when you think about how embedded uh, the Chinese and the culture are in the intellectual property that's created there. They really are these like worlds that exist beyond the TV screen, beyond their their computers, and they're really embedded into all of the products they consume, I think it makes sense to have these digital collectibles. I think it's really noteworthy also, though, that in China, they don't call NFTs, NFTs. They call them digital collectibles. There was a white paper, I think, that was published earlier this year or last year that referred to NFTs as NFRs, non-fungible rights. And so if we think about it and look at this through an intellectual property lens, I think that it makes sense for this to be state-backed and it makes sense to offer, to have this offering in such a tech heavy country. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's not an NFT as we know NFTs on this side of the world.
1: I think it's very interesting that they use that particular term just like Trump did for his NFTs. It's just kind totally. of...
2: <laughs> and Reddit though. Reddit
1: also used it. Well, Reddit is okay. I'm okay with Reddit doing it, but when Trump does it or china government doing it it's kind we of like show
2: all sides of the story Wendy.
1: it's just <laughs> funny it, just like it's just very ironic like we had the, like one of the former presidents like hated crypto and hated all of this and then he launches his own nft collection and it's just, or his own digital trading thing what commemorative like those silver coins that your grandparent well my grandparents mm. used to buy that stuff
0: Yeah. Last thing I bring up just kind of riffing on what you're saying there, Wendy, is it's weird how NFTs seem to be like this drain, right? Where no one wants to participate in it and then slowly sort of get sucked down it. And so at first, Trump had no interest in being involved with Bitcoin, no interest in being involved with crypto. I think that was a pretty infamous tweet from like 2019. And then a few years later, he's like, "Eh, why not? And he made a bunch of money on top of it. (laughs) China seems to be doing a similar thing, right? So they banned Bitcoin mining, they banned peer-to-peer exchange of crypto. They've banned a lot of different uses of crypto in the country and the trading of crypto. But now they have the CBDC and NFTs are coming. It seems like at the end of the day, you kind of get dragged into it because that's what the market wants. We'll see if this project really gets off the ground, though. The CBDC project itself has taken years and hasn't had like a ton of adoption to my knowledge of it so far. So we'll see what the NFTs with bated breath. Jen, I'll throw it to you as we exit.
2: I will add one more uh, point to this, to the Donald Trump story. I think I read yesterday that his NFTs are down 72%. So, you know, it's it, a was, market. it was a good just time a for him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It's just the market. <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on CoinDesk TV and for listening to us on the podcast network. I'm Jen Sinassi. That's Wendy O nodding over there and Will Foxley. Right in the middle, stick around. All About Bitcoin is coming up at 3 p.m. And we'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a wonderful day and goodbye.
1: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.